You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. We've, we've said it often, the church is not a building. And uh, in March, we started gathering in homes all across the city when we couldn't gather in person. And, and now we've had a wild week, no power. Anybody still not have power in the house? Yeah, I knew there was a number of people in our church that still are without power a lot in this neighborhood. Uh, if you're joining us, us online, that must mean that you got power. So, um, But this year keeps getting wilder. And we're, the church, I think, is getting pressed to really see if we believe what we've been saying, that we're not a building, that the, the kingdom of God cannot be expressed just through buildings or organizations or programs, that we're church on the move, the kingdom is near. And that, that term, the kingdom, it's something that we're kicking off this, this morning, this weekend, as we welcome back college students, as we kick off another school year. That theme, kingdom, is going to be a theme that we're going to be pressing into as a church family uh, over the next 10 months, over the next school year, that theme, kingdom. It's a primary way, a lens through which to view the work of God on the earth, his way of working and interacting, uh, and his expression of what he is like is through that lens of the kingdom. And so I've been feeling it on my heart. This was in February, God started putting this on my heart that as a church, we needed to press into understanding uh, more so what it means to be people of the kingdom, to, to, to be people that are invited into a way of life in the kingdom. So there's so much that's entailed in this that we're going to unpack it over 10 months. We're going to talk about kingdom culture, kingdom identity, the upside down nature of the kingdom, kingdom mission, kingdom purpose. Um, and so I'm so excited. And I think it's fitting that we would, we would kick this series off, this theme off outside. <laughs> this is the way of the kingdom. It truly is. Um, so if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark, Mark chapter 1. We're going to start this theme off with a series, the flyover, an overview of the, of the gospel of Mark. The first gospel that was given to us, written by John Mark. So kids, you can track along. You can find Mark in your Bibles. I know Pastor Nicole oftentimes has you find things in your Bibles. So kids, you can track along. Mark chapter one. I woke up this, with, this morning with a, a passage on my heart from Hebrews chapter 12 that says, let us be grateful that we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. It's a kingdom that cannot be shaken, not by any storm, not by any pandemic, but not by a virus. It's an unshakable kingdom. Praise God. You guys awake this morning? It's really good news. So the writer of Hebrews says, let us be grateful. This morning, I just woke up grateful. I was like, Lord, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how this is going to (laughs) go. Hope the generator keeps moving. I think we got plenty of wattage. Thanks to Dan. But we can still be grateful, right? (laughs) Like literally, I was just saying that. We don't know what's going to happen, but we can still be thankful. And the, literally, I woke up this morning with that sense in my heart. I can be thankful, God. I can be grateful. Like, I'm still a part of this. It's a Sunday morning. <laughs> You're going to move just like you want to move Monday morning, just like you want to move Tuesday morning. That's the nature of the kingdom. And so this paradigm shift that happens in a person's life is transformational. So if you're here this morning, if you've never heard Christianity talked about in terms of a kingdom, I apologize. I'm sorry. If you've always thought of Christianity as a, a doctrine of beliefs, as a building, as an institution, kingdom is like the transformational paradigm that, that changes the trajectory of your life. If you're here in this house and you've, you've heard about 
you've heard about the kingdom of God talked about, but you've never understood what, what that meant. It's just kind of a phraseology that's gone in one, in one ear and out the other. Then, then over this next 10 months, I'm excited for, for that to catch, catch in your heart, for you to track along with us. And for others, maybe you've walked with God for a while and you've understood the ways of the kingdom, but I wanna tell you there's more. There's more that you can experience. There's a greater level of surrender and submission to King Jesus that he wants in your life Monday morning, Monday afternoon. And so we're all in this together, wherever you're at, um, whichever those groups you're, you're in this morning, there's something for you as we dive into this uh, this morning and over the next several months. So we're gonna look at Mark chapter one this morning. The title of my message is Introducing the King because in Mark chapter one, we have someone step onto the scene right out of the gate named John. And his role is to introduce to the world, to Israel, the King, the Messiah, the anticipated Messiah, the Son of God, King. And he and Jesus, they use this phrase that the kingdom of God is near. They both say that, the kingdom of God is near. We always think of God as far off, God, God of the you know, majestic God of the universe, God of all creation. But they had, a, they had a new message and it was the kingdom of God is near. And so we're gonna unpack that this morning. The reality that the kingdom is near because King Jesus is meant to rule and reign in you. He's meant to sit on the throne of your heart. And John begins to point people to that reality here in Mark chapter one. So we're gonna unpack that. Introducing the king. I love thinking of it that way. I talked to a friend this week who she has some health issues. So her and her husband have been in pretty strict lockdown during the pandemic. And, um, but she is just in love with Jesus and she walks with him every single day. So she understands this, under, the, this paradigm, this lifestyle of the kingdom. And she was sharing a testimony of some, some people that came, some kind of uh, political activists or something came to her door. And for her, it was an opportunity for a real kingdom conversation. And she started engaging in conversation with her. They sat down on the porch and honestly, she was, she was telling me how she was sharing the gospel with them, the good news of the kingdom. And these were the words she said, Drew, it's just as easy as that. It's just as, in, it's just as easy as introducing them to the king. That's all we're doing. We're introducing them to the king. And it's so refreshing to be around believers that get it. That's what it is. And John here in Mark chapter one, he introduces us to the king. I, uh, sorry, I, we'll get into this, but I grew up with a mom who loved Elvis Presley. And uh, so he was considered the king of rock and roll. And so she would often tell me about the king, uh, but this is a different king, uh, not the king of rock and roll. We're gonna look at the king of kings. Mark chapter one, verse one says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his, his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and locusts and sorry, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, after me comes he who is, who, um, whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and, and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And, and really the inauguration of Jesus' ministry is, is initiated in that moment through the baptism of Jesus uh, by the hands of John the Baptist. But John plays an important role in preparing the hearts of the people in anticipation with a sense of urgency for what's about to take place in Israel, in Jerusalem, in Judea. And he uses that phrase that the kingdom of God is near. And he's near because King Jesus wants to rule and reign in our hearts, in us. So you can think of John the Baptist as a, a forerunner, as a herald, as one who introduced the king, and he's a wild man. And this, this morning, I'm, I'm praying that you can kind of allow your spiritual imagination to be transported to that place because these were the environments where John the Baptist hung out. It was not in the institutions, not in the buildings, not because people approved him, of him. No, he was, he was in the wilderness. He was a wilderness man in open air. And he didn't have to promote himself. The, the crowds came to him because there was something unique about his message. And that's what I want us to explore this morning. What was it about John's message that pierced through the noise of their generation and pierced people's hearts and that allowed people to begin to prepare themselves for this one, for King Jesus, for the Messiah. He was a herald, he was a forerunner. There was a sense of alarm to his voice, a sense of urgency, like the time is now. But there was also a message of hope there. So what was it? What was it about John's message? Well, firstly, I believe it's this. John's message stood out because he spoke to the human heart. Verses three and four says he, he called to the people, he used that voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And he pr proclaimed a message of baptism, of repentance, forgiveness of sins. And it cut to people's hearts. He wasn't speaking a political message. He wasn't speaking a message of self, personal self-help. No, he was speaking a message of personal encounter, individual encounter with the king of the universe. Because the kingdom is near and King Jesus wants to rule and reign in you. And they got that gospel message. The reason it's so near is because it's meant to impact the inner places of your heart. It's meant to be, oh, so personal so intimate. That's why in our church community, we emphasize on a regular basis the importance of every individual making a decision for themselves to follow Jesus. You can't have a faith vicariously through your parents, through your friends, even through your church, through, through a pastor. No, God's inviting you. King Jesus is inviting you into a daily relationship with him every single day. And at the heart of John's message was that, it was to the individual. The message of the kingdom, that message of repentance, it says that you're created for something better than your way of life. That on your own, your path leads to destruction. And so his message revealed that God is providing a way out. Hey, prepare yourselves. There's gonna be a different way that's gonna be made available to you. So repentance is something that we often maybe avoid talking about, we don't like to talk about it. We, or maybe there's a lot of misconceptions about it as well. We oftentimes think of repentance as kind of a, um, 
just a very emotional kind of remorseful sorrow before God. We're trying to convince God that we are truly sorry for the way that we've lived, kind of a sackcloth and ashes, weeping before the Lord. We often kind of conflate repentance and confession, but repentance takes, takes things beyond confession, just the outward proclamation of our, of our standing before God. Repentance talks about an inner change of our hearts, the direction of our life being forever changed. It's a change of direction, and it's based on one thing. It's relationship. That you were created to be a son or daughter of the king, and your life has not been living that way, or it has not been, uh, you haven't been living your life in that way, and he's providing you a way out, an opportunity to change directions. In the account in Matthew chapter 3 of John the Baptist's ministry, it says, John the Baptist was talking to the crowds. He said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have had Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. So make sure your repentance isn't just a, you're trying to impress people. God doesn't need us. He's giving us a way out. It's his mercy. Repentance is God's mercy. It's an opportunity for us to have a change of direction. So John's message appears to the heart and consider, or asks us to consider our ways before God. So I encourage every, per, every single person to do that. Self-righteousness says, I figured this out and I can do better if I just try harder. Repentance says, I've gone my own way and now I'm changing directions to follow the way of the king. Repentance is a change based on relationship with the king. I remember having going to coffee with a friend a few years back and he was a newer believer. But he had been really making some amazing decisions for the Lord and growing in his walk with the Lord. But that, that day over, over coffee, he began to really open up about some big mistakes he had just recently made in his relationship with his wife. And obviously the fallout of that. And he was broken up about it. I mean, he was torn up. There, he was starting to tear up and I realized this was a moment. And I realized I had the, the kind of the um, sense to be compelled to take the, make the most of this opportunity. So we, I said, hey, let's leave the coffee shop. Because there there's a tendency sometimes to conflate repentance with confession. And we think, if I can just get this off my chest, maybe that'll soothe my conscience. It's just a matter of like, I got to tell a friend and that, that's good. Please invite people into your life and into, into relationship with you. But there, there's more than just confession. And I wanted to make sure in that moment, I didn't just allow that to be a moment of confession, but it was a moment of repentance. And so we, we left the coffee shop and we went and found a, a private place. I said, let's just get on our knees. And we got on our knees and he just cried out to God because that's way more important than just confessing our sins one to another, which again, that's important to do. But repentance is something so much more. It actually results in inner change, inward change, that then results in lifestyle change. So have you considered your life before God? Have you had that moment where you've come face to face with the king and you realize that you need to change directions in your life? Sometimes people ask me like, why I do what I do? Why are you a pastor, Drew? Did you have, you know, long-standing ambitions to be a pastor, a professional pastor when you were young. I, I didn't. The reason, the reason I do what I do is because King Jesus told me to do it. <laughs> I'm just seeking to be obedient to him. And I know many people that are in different vocations across the board. And the, the reason they do what they do is because King Jesus called them to do it. I, I grew up in a Christian home. We went to church. I experienced people who had an authentic faith, but I honestly didn't 
oftentimes have a grid for it. But in the home, I experienced something so much different all the time, just chaos and messiness. My mom began to fall into um, alcoholism, prescription drug abuse and depression. And our family environment began to swirl out of control as a a young boy. And so it's like I saw two different worlds. I saw life in the church and this message of the kingdom. There seemed to be something to it, something authentic, something vibrantly like genuine about it. But then I also saw this messiness in in the home and and in life. And eventually by by the time I turned seven, my mom ended up taking her life and the messiness of of our family life just continued to get crazier and crazier. But I remember watching through all of that, the testimony of my father. And he was, he was a man of faith and watching him respond to tragedies of life, the difficulties of life, and still have a steadfast faith for Jesus. It began to cement my heart that there is a way of following King Jesus that truly is unshakable, that truly is truly can withstand whatever comes my way. There is a way of life of submitting to King Jesus that's better than anything I can find in this world. So I remember at the age of nine, surrendering my life to King Jesus. And ever since then, that's been my heart, is to follow him. Like he's gonna dictate the direction of my life. Whatever he wants me to do, I wanna be one who says yes to him. And that's my heart for every single person. Like truly, I I compel people we're not, we're not at LifePoint Church trying to ask people to sign up for a program or, or become a member in an institution. We're trying to point people to King Jesus. He's the one who changes the trajectory of your life. He's the one who makes, makes things make sense for your Monday morning. So John's message, it pierced through all the noise of his generation. It pierced to people's hearts. And all of a sudden, people who, all they had understood of God was a religious sense of God, all of a sudden they were drawn to the wilderness and they said, oh, there's a better way. There's a, there's a way of, of me turning and changing directions in preparation for this king. Secondly, that was just my first point. John's message stood out because it spoke to the human heart. Second was it had prophetic authority. John's message had prophetic authority. What in the world do I mean by that? There is this sense of being urgently attuned to what God is doing in a generation. In John's message, there were others that called themselves prophets. There were other people that considered themselves seers or very spiritual um, carriers of wisdom. But John's message was different because it was urgently attuned to what God was doing in his generation. And so it pierced through it. There was like, in a biblical sense, 300 years of silence between the time of the prophet Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament until John the Baptist in his ministry. 300 years of silence. And so obviously the Jewish people, they, they read the prophets, they, they knew the redemptive story, but then there was kind of this just silence. What's God gonna do next? When's he gonna appear? When's this kingdom gonna be realized? And John's message pierced through all that doubt, all the unbelief, all the noise, all the talking heads. There was something more to it. So the prophetic message that prophetic authority pierces through all the clutter and noise of a generation. And I don't know what we've stepped into in 2020, but there's been an atmosphere shift change on the earth. There's something happening. I believe God is doing something. I believe the enemy is doing something. I believe God is doing something. I believe as the people of God, we need to be attuned to what God wants to do. 
And that paradigm of the kingdom, that lens of the kingdom is critical for us being attuned to what God wants to do in our generation. The church cannot be caught sleeping. The reality is some will be sleeping, but I am bound and determined in my heart of hearts that I am not gonna be caught sleeping in the midst of what God wants to do. There are voices rising up. I'll tell you, you don't hear these reports often, but there are voices rising up, prophetic voices with a prophetic authority. They're piercing through the noise and they're calling people to follow Jesus. There were reports coming from Minneapolis after the George Floyd shooting. There were reports in early June of crowds of believers going to the place everyone else was There's a mad exodus from the city and believers were flooding to the city to proclaim Jesus in the heart of Minneapolis, all beginning to congregate at the site of the the intersection of the George Floyd um, murder. And this report said, believers went to Minneapolis to hold open air preaching of Jesus and calls for healing and salvation at the intersection where George Floyd was killed. It said, there are too many testimonies to recount. They were, they were able to preach to thousands and they saw hundreds responding to the gospel of Jesus. There were reports of spontaneous baptisms happening right there. They brought in a tub and they began to baptize people that had confessed Jesus as king. There are those voices that are rising up. You won't hear about them in mainstream media. You won't hear about them uh, widely publicized. They will be those voices in the wilderness. They won't fit into the institution's of our day. As we were talking about, me and my brother, uh, Pastor Tony, who was leading worship, we were talking about things going on in the world this week. He asked the question, he said, where are the, where are the David Brainerds of our generation? Where are the, the David Wilkerson's, the Dietrich Bonhoeffer's? But many of the heroes of the faith that we look back on in awe now are ones who were not accepted by their generation. They had a prophetic authority that spoke to people's hearts and they were many times outcast for it. So I don't say this lightly, but I believe the time is now for us to get right with God. The time is now for us to surrender, for King, to surrender our lives to King Jesus. I don't know what's coming down the pike. Nobody does. But I believe there's a brewing of that sense. Uh, get ready, prepare yourself. The Lord is coming, King Jesus. There's a growing urgency in my heart for people to get right with God. So the kingdom is near because King Jesus is meant to rule and reign in you. So John's message stood out because it spoke to the human heart, because it had prophetic authority. And thirdly, because it pointed people to the king. It didn't point people to himself, his ministry, his awesomeness. No, he pointed people to the king. I mean, John's lifestyle was so unorthodox and non-traditional that it was like, you couldn't mistake what it was about. It wasn't about him. He was wearing camel's hair, eating locusts and honey in the wilderness. There's like nothing awesome about John, but yet the crowds came because he was pointing them to something real. It was the king. And we need that today. We need people just to be pointed to, to King Jesus. And over these next 10 months as a church family, we're gonna press into this. There is a refreshing simplicity that comes upon your life when you have this paradigm shift of Christianity being more about kingdom than anything else. All of a sudden it becomes so much more simple. You don't get offended by other people because you're just seeking to please the king. You don't, you don't get so, um, when, when other people fail you, either in sin or they disappoint you, 
it doesn't jar you as much because at the end of the day, you're following King Jesus. There is a refreshing simplicity that I believe is gonna be released upon us as we press in to this paradigm of the kingdom. And, and John's ministry did that. His message pointed people to the king and I believe it's so refreshing. So I'm not saying we need to go into the wilderness and wear, wear camel's hair and eat wild, wild honey. Some of you are all getting excited. You wanna <laughs> eat some honey and locusts, but, but there is a simplicity. And I, I think it's, it's so fitting. Like I said, we hadn't decided that we were gonna do this outside until five o'clock last night. We realized it was not gonna work inside the building. And, uh, but I, I think it's just God's providence that we would speak about this, initiating the simplicity, the purity, the genuineness, the authenticity of the kingdom outside, open air. I'm gonna ask Tony to, to come forward. He's gonna lead us in one final song as we respond to King Jesus. John was not a man of extravagance. He lived a life of the essentials. He was so immersed in the purposes of God that he didn't even think he was worthy to be a slave of the Messiah. He said it's not, he described that role of a slave, the one that would loosen the ties of, of their master. He's like, I'm not even worthy to do that, to stoop down and loosen the ties of the, of the, of the sandals of, of the Messiah. This is the true marker of a herald, of a forerunner. They don't get preoccupied with themselves. They understand their role they're pointing to someone coming after them. They're sounding the alarm saying, prepare yourselves. King Jesus is coming. Get your life right with God. I've just been sensing this morning, even as I was praying, that this is really good news for some people. And I want to invite you to respond to the Lord this morning. There's a a release that comes over your life when you begin to understand God as king and the one that's meant to sit on the throne of your heart. Because when we sit on the throne of our hearts, life gets really overwhelming. It gets so complicated. Things get so complex and so daunting, so overwhelming. But when we realize we're not the ones who are supposed to sit on the throne in that place in the first place. We're not supposed to be the ones that sit on the throne of our hearts. It's supposed to be King Jesus. And something happens when you surrender your life to King Jesus. You get up off the throne of your heart. King Jesus sits there. All of a sudden, you're invited into a much bigger story. And you realize King Jesus can be trusted with your mess. Like he can be trusted with the complexities of your life. There's nothing that confounds him or confuses him. And he sits on the throne of your heart and you sit there just sitting at his feet, submitted to King Jesus such an amazing place to be and I pray that over you in this age of anxiety in this age of stress of hysteria of fear that's such good news for you to hear that King Jesus is meant to rule and reign in your heart and that phrase of, of which we'll unpack even more and more in the, in the days to come as we go through the gospel of Mark the kingdom of God is near first and foremost what that means is, is that King Jesus is meant to rule and reign in you it's that near. He's meant to be in, ruling and reigning on the, on the throne of your heart. If you don't stand to your feet, I'm, I'm going to have us just respond to the Lord with two simple responses. One is for those in this place who have never, never made that individual uh, decision to follow Jesus, King Jesus for themselves. Like maybe you've been around church, you, your parents love Jesus, or 
or you've heard about Christianity or whatever, but you, you realize you yourself as an individual, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. And as I was even sharing part, part of my story earlier, that began to resonate with you, that you need to make that decision to follow Jesus. And a few Sundays on September 12th, we're gonna be baptizing people in water. It's another amazing way for people to publicly confess their allegiance to King Jesus through water baptism. But there are some this morning that need to respond in that way. There are others in this place, which I'm really gonna lead us corporately as an entire church in a response to further surrender to King Jesus. Maybe there's parts of your heart that you're kind of holding on to. Maybe you're falling prey to anxiety or fear or, or stress. And King Jesus is inviting himself in a greater way to rule and reign in your life. And we're going to respond to him. So if you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're part of that first group and you'd say, Drew, I need to make that individual decision to follow Jesus. Like, that's me. This is young and old. If you're a kid in the place and you want to respond, this morning can be your morning. But if that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. But if that's you this morning, yeah, you need to surrender your life to King Jesus. Would you just raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for? Awesome. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Awesome. So if you raise your hand, or even if you didn't, you can pray this prayer from your own heart. Pray like this, Lord, King Jesus. It's just me and you right now. Lord, no more performing, no more trying to impress people, no more trying to clean up my own life on my own. It's just me and you, King Jesus. And this morning, I'm making a decision to place my complete faith in you as, as the sufficiency for my sin issue. They, they, only you can provide forgiveness of my sins and right standing with God. But there's no mediator between God and man except for Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I place my faith completely in you, King Jesus. No turning back. I'm changing the trajectory of my life. I'm choosing the way of repentance, which is a change of direction. I'm changing the direction of my life. And I'm submitted to you, King Jesus, in your mighty name. Can we give a hand to those that have prayed that prayer? That's huge. Praise God. Let's all respond in this place. I know we're all in different places in our walks with Jesus. But I believe God wants to do a work in your heart to release you to even, even greater surrender, greater submission to King Jesus. So Lord, as a church family this morning, we're ready to embark on a journey over the next 10 months of understanding the kingdom better, of discovering your ways and how you're meant to be near in every aspect of our life, Monday through Sunday. Not just Sunday mornings, we have some feel-goods, but literally every aspect of our life and the, the values and the priorities of our lives to now be dictated by, by a kingdom from another world. So God, we surrender to that. I pray this morning there would just be a release from anxiety for those that are, are suffering or being tormented by thoughts, overwhelmed. They can't stop the voices in their head. God, I just pray that the peace of King Jesus would, would rule and reign in hearts and minds this morning that anxiety would stop that overwhelming sense of worry fear 
panic. I believe King Jesus is working in hearts right now. exalting himself. He's magnifying himself in your heart and in your mind. He's bigger. He's better. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.